Greetings, Scrum listeners. This is your host, Adam Riley. This week's episode was recorded live at WGBH News' swanky new studio at the Boston Public Library. We're planning to be there every week, usually on Mondays. But next week, we're deviating from that tentative schedule. On Tuesday, October 12th, we're going to be hosting a debate on ballot question four, which would legalize marijuana. We'd love it if you came by and said hello. First, though, a spirited debate on ballot question two, which would lift the cap on charter schools in Massachusetts, featuring Boston City Councilor Tito Jackson, who thinks that's a very bad idea, and Kerry Rodriguez-Lorenzo, the state director of the pro-charter group Families for Excellent Schools, who thinks it's an excellent one. Take a listen. Hello and welcome to a very special live edition of The Scrum, the political podcast that we do at WGBH News. My name is Adam Riley. I'm a reporter at WGBH. My colleague down there is Peter Kadzis. He is our online editor. And we are joined today to talk about the proposal to lift the cap on charter schools in Massachusetts. It's a ballot question that everyone's going to be able to vote on, assuming that you're eligible, uh, eligible to vote. Come November, uh, it's uh, generated some very hot debate. We're hoping to continue that here, but also hopefully shed some light on the subject that it has not received before. Our guests today are Carrie Rodriguez-Lorenzo. She is the Massachusetts State Director for Families for Excellent Schools. Carrie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And by the way, I should mention, you are a Democratic State Committee woman, correct? I am. Proud to be. How long have you been on the Democratic State Committee? Uh, I have been serving as uh, the chair of the Women's Outreach uh, Committee for four years and was recently elected at large to the Democratic State Committee. Okay. And we also have Boston City Councilor Tito Jackson sitting directly across from Kerry. Uh, he is not a proponent of the push to lift the cap, quite the opposite. Councilor Jackson, remind me, uh, when were you first elected? To the I Boston was elected in 2011, and I am the chair of education on the Boston City Council. And I care about every single student in the city of Boston, but uh, know that question two would actually harm uh, most of the students in the city of Boston. All right, hold that thought for one second. But thank you for being here. And Carrie, thank you for being here. I'm going to try to keep things uh, informal. Is it okay if I, can I call you Tito when we're having my, a conversation? My mom, my mom did name me that. So, yes, right. you, can, you can definitely do that. <laughs> Councillor Jackson, thank you. I will go with Tito from now on. I want to start by asking both of you. You have appeared together to talk about this issue on a couple other occasions, right? Two times? Do I, yes, do I have it right? So, yeah. All right. So my first question for you, what is the one thing that you have heard your counterparts say in those discussions that really made you roll your eyes and grit your teeth and mutter under your breath, he or she is so totally full of it, I can't even stand it, or words to that effect? What's the one talking point you've heard from the person sitting across from you that you think they really should be called out on? I think Carrie probably has a couple more on my, uh, for me. But, so what do you think, Carrie? I, I mean, there, there are a number that are extremely challenging. All right, you've got to think for a second and, and concentrate yeah. it down to one because, well, you know, this is a big topic. It's very complex. We'll get into as many of the sort of ancillary elements of it as we can, but I want you to pick one thing that you've heard Tito say I that drives you nuts. I have to say it's the funding argument. And, you know, today it's very clear, backed up by the Boston Globe editorial. Um, it's very clear that charter schools 
are not drawing funds away from district schools. They're not having an impact. The Massachusetts Taxpayers Foundation has been very clear with their in-depth analysis of how charter schools are funded and how district schools are being fully compensated, being reimbursed 225% over six years. Uh, the Boston Public Schools has seen increase after increase after increase, 25% in recent years in terms of their budget, over $1 billion being spent on education with declining uh, children actually being enrolled. Okay, so just for people who may be catching up to the issue because not everyone's been steeped in it the way yep. that you guys have, for people who may not have read about or read the Mass Taxpayers Foundation study, the, the funding argument that you're saying is that the top of the list for you in terms of things Tito says that, that make you go crazy. What, can you paraphrase the argument as he makes it? Brief. I, I, I mean, I, I can't put words in Tito's mouth. Tito likes to cherry pick a lot of information and play this, you know, shell game with, with funding because it's a lot of big numbers. The big number that you're actually seeing in a lot of the television commercials is the $400 million amount and how the amount that is being spent on charter schools is somehow being ripped away from district schools. In Massachusetts, Chapter 70 funding is very clear. The money follows the child. Right. So when a child leaves a district school and goes to a charter, it follows the child. I want to give Tito a chance to jump in here, but I should mention, I think I saw on Facebook today a, a, a ally of yours describe this as the $400 million lie. Yes. Looks like that's a catchphrase popular on your side of the argument. Okay, Tito, I want, you're going to get a chance to identify a similar point of carries, but first, what is your response to yep. the denunciation that she just offered? So uh, I am the chair of education. I've uh, sat through over 70 hearings about uh, this particular subject for the city of Boston. So let's talk real numbers for Boston. Boston, how we fund public schools is we take your tax dollars, so your real estate tax dollars, and we also combine them with the money we're supposed to get from the state. We get $215 million from the state of Massachusetts. Charters take uh, $160 million of that, uh, away, and then $15 million uh, of that is also uh, used to transport students. So out of the $215 million, $175 million uh, goes to about nine to 10,000 students and charters. That $40 million that's left over is, is uh, split between 57,314 students, and they are the most needy students in the city of Boston. We have 4,000 homeless students in the Boston public schools. Uh, charters only in Boston only educate 12% English language learners. Boston is proud to educate 30% English language learners. They take lower level special education students. And so when we look at what happens with charters, by taking one, two, or three students out of each classroom, what they do is they siphon off the dollars that we use for art, they siphon off the dollars that we use for music and the uh, electives. Um, so this is a, a critical funding issue. Over the course of time, $450 million annually comes out of uh, two-thirds of the districts across the state. And don't, don't only take my word for it, over 130 school committees have uh, chimed in no on two. Zero have chi chimed have. in yes on, on two. Um, well, of, of course, the Max Taxpayers Association, that really doesn't want people to pay taxes, chimes in and says that uh, it, it doesn't take away money. So when it comes down to it, the, is a very, the, the, when, it comes, well when it comes down to this, understand what we're voting for. Understand what we're voting for. 
Question two is not a referendum on whether we like charters or not. I actually uh, volunteer at a charter school. It's not the question. It's 12 new char Commonwealth charters every year, forever, with no additional funding. I, I want folks to understand what we're actually talking about here. And so as Carrie brings us, uh, brings us forward, money is going to charters. It has to come from someplace, and that place that it comes from are district public schools that 96% of students in the state of Massachusetts actually go to district public schools, and 4% go to charters. Let's focus on the real problem, which is let's help fix the yep. public schools and not uh, create a separate but unequal system in charter schools. All right, Tito, hold that thought for a second. I know Carrie's wanted to get in here for a few minutes now. You wanted to come back at Tito, Carrie? Yeah, it's very clear. I mean, it, it's been established through the Pioneer Institute, through the Brookings Institute, so both liberal and conservative think tanks, through the Boston Globe, through the Boston Herald, through the Bay State Banner, okay, through a number, you have Harvard University, Columbia University, Stanford University, MIT, you, all with studies backing up the yes on two position, because when you have independent analysis, third party folks actually looking at this, you don't have to take my word for it, take a look at all of these independent studies, look at what Columbia has to say, what MIT, what Harvard, what Stanford has to say about the impact of these schools, the 3.9% of children who are in Commonwealth charter schools that get 3.9% of education funding, these schools are making a difference, especially in cities like Boston. So i got to ask, you just mentioned, Peter, I'll, I'll let you get in here in just a second, Carrie, you just said 3.9% of Massachusetts students in charters getting 3.9% of state funding, right? That's correct. Tito a moment ago offered, uh, and, and Tito, I want to make sure that you refresh my memory and the memory of everyone in the audience about this figure. You said Boston gets, you talked about $215 million coming in and 160 going to charters. This is yes, city of Boston. This is uh, every year? Every year. Uh, that's, that's what's happening, and it's, and it's how the formula... So, is, is set up, and that's the so, problem. So the, is it possible in that case that, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the formula, you're talking about uh, numbers that seem commensurate, you know, 3.9% go to charters, 3.9% of the money goes to charters. Tito is talking about a radically different picture. Do you, carry see um, the situation in Boston, for whatever the reasons, maybe it's the formula, maybe it's something else, do you see that dynamic he's talking about where you have 75% of the money going to fund charters that's coming from the state for Boston every year as problematic or not? I do see that there are issues with the funding formula. I do see that there, there are problems directly. And I think that Tito and I would both agree that, you know, we're, we're fighting over slices of the pie, and the pie definitely needs to be bigger, period. Uh, I'm, I'm for great schools. I want to see every child go to a great school in Massachusetts. But I would challenge Tito and say there are 54,973 students in the Boston. Actually, that's low. There's 57,000. Well, this is, this is according to the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. De so I'm going to quote directly okay. from their but, website. But DESE does not include the in district charters. The total number of students in Boston charters are 12,297 students. So the total number of students in Boston public schools, district and charter, 67,270. The number of students on wait lists for Boston charters, 13,035. 13,035. So you take the number of kids who are in charter schools, the number of kids who want to be in charter schools, you're talking about almost 40% of the children 
who are in Boston wanting to get into these schools. So if hold, I was a Boston well, City Councilor, what I would say is what is going on in these charter schools that is so magical, that is lightning in a bottle, that parents are crying out that they want their kids in these schools. Instead, you are trying to destroy them and rip them apart and disrespecting parents who want to make this choice before, for their children. Peter, you may mention that in a second when I ask you for the one thing Carrie says that drives you crazy, but Peter Kadzis has been sitting but down there quiet go, as a church mouse. I want to get him Before in. we go down that rabbit hole, and it's a very interesting one. Uh, a, a couple of points. Uh, first of all, Friday I spoke with, uh, off the record, but with members of the leadership on Beacon Hill, both on the House side and the Senate side. And to sum up what they told me is they thought it would be inconceivable that if the um, if, if the ballot if the charter cap is lifted, they thought it would be inconceivable that the legislature would not adjust the legislation. That remains to be seen. But what I'd like to do here is step back for a second and look at charters not in isolation, but in a larger context. For a variety of reasons, Boston public schools have been losing students for 40 years. You know, some of it's just demographics, but this has huge implications. There are too many buildings and too many people on the payroll. Now, I'm not suggesting we spend less, but I am suggesting we spend smarter. Now, let's look at roughly what Boston spends and roughly what Brookline spends. And I realize this is a cherry pick figure. Cambridge, too? I I don't know at Cambridge, but tell me when I do. That's fine. You know, a quick check showed me Brookline spends about 17,000 per student. Boston spends about 18. The state average is 15K. What's Cambridge spend, Tito? $28,000. Okay. And also, how many poor kids are in Brookline? That's, that's a good point. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making here is that the Boston school system at large is so inefficient, so overstaffed, it, it's heavy on, on, um, uh, on facilities, that a simple reform, and by the way, the reform isn't simple, would ease the pressure that charters put. And what I don't understand, as a Boston public school parent and a Boston voter and a Boston taxpayer, is why the city of Boston has such a bloated school system when needs are so great. Tito, give, that goes to we you. We've got to give Tito a chance to respond okay. to, to that, Peter. Okay. Tito. So, so first off, Peter, I, again, as I noted, Cambridge, which is right next to the city of Boston, uh, that is way more comparable, and I actually went to school uh, in Brookline. I know the school district uh, pretty well, is uh, more, more comparable. It, is, it costs more to educate poor kids. It costs more to educate homeless students. It costs more to educate uh, students who have trauma. And it costs more to educate uh, larger numbers of English language learners. Right? So the Boston Public Schools in 1974 had about 90-some-odd thousand uh, students. Uh, the Boston Public Schools has 57,000 students in it now with 60,000 uh, seats. So there's only about 3,000 open seats in the Boston Public Schools. And uh, we know this because the Boston Public Schools has its own, uh, fa- uh, did its own facilities analysis in 2013, um, which, is at, which also uh, rebuffs um, the, speaking of bloating, uh, the uh, report that came out from McKenzie, which is 
basically um, has no idea what is happening in the Boston Public Schools. In addition, when you look at the needs of, of the students, um, we actually need more in counseling. You're saying the Boston Public Schools as now constituted, are working at maximum efficiency. No, no. I, I wouldn't because say my, that. Because my point isn't any that the need agency is working at maximum efficiency. My point isn't that the need yep. isn't great. Yep. It's just that I'm saying is that um, Mayor Menino, because he, when they closed uh, uh, the limited number of schools they yep. did, there was tremendous pushback. Mayor Walsh came in, knowing full well that schools needed to be shot. He's taking his time for reasons that I can understand, but the mayor's office, who directs the school department, um, it, it strikes me as you know spending every year they let this excess capacity go through. What excess They're capacity? Spending. I just told you that there were there were sixty thousand seats and there's fifty seven thousand students. That is a fact. In two separate exchanges, Tito has been on the defensive, which is why I'm stopping the conversation here to ask Tito to answer the same question I asked the outset, which is what is one talking point that you have heard from Kerry, whether it's today or in your previous meetings, that has made you shake your head in frustration? Um, the, I guess the uh, talking point that Kerry brings up, uh, we've already talked about the funding. Um, I, let's talk about the accountability. Uh, charters, 60% uh, of charter schools have, they, they have boards instead of school committees. 60% of charter schools do not have a single parent or student on their board. That is a problem. And then when you look at the, the boards that actually do have a, a parent or student, they are the whitest schools. That is absolutely unacceptable. And that's why the NAACP, that's why Black Lives Matters, and that's also why the Mass Municipal Association um, has, has come out uh, against it. One other piece, Brockton, Brockton Mass, uh, has no failing schools. They have no f level four schools. Yet a charter was approved at the state level to be placed in Brockton. And this is, uh, for my suburban friends, a message to you. Uh, one of these charters could end up in your neighborhood and community because that Brockton school couldn't locate in Brockton, so now it's in Norwood. Okay. Right? So they, they could be uh, losing, uh, losing funding. In addition, no, Andover I, we, also had a proposed uh, charter school. So this is not only an issue of, city, uh, of cities like Boston, but is uh, something that could be coming to a town or city near you. All right, point taken care of you here, Tito, suggesting a troubling lack of agency for families and parents in charter schools. What do you say to well, that? Well, let's, let's actually talk about, I, I'm, I'm really excited that you brought up the NAACP. Wasn't there just an article yesterday in the Boston Herald where the NAACP is calling out the Boston School Committee for not being an elected board and not being representative of the people who there are actually in the neighborhoods, not understanding their experience. But so what about his claim about charters talk, specifically? You know, that, that's, you know, I, I want to talk directly. If you're going to call out charter schools for not being representative of the students that, that are actually within their schools, we've got their own, our own problems in Boston, which the NAACP is actually calling you out directly on and was very clear in that But we are yesterday. not debating the Boston School Committee's makeup here today. We're debating the push to I, understand, but if you're so going to call to out Boston, you, you don't see any, any I, similarity I, I, I there? See, you're calling out charter school boards for not having representation of the people who are the parents, the students who are, who are actually in the charter schools. You have the same problem in Boston. You are not being representative of the people who are in the neighborhoods. That being said, if I can address the other issues that were brought up specifically in, in regard to the level of accountability and why parents support charter schools, that is very clear. 
When you see a school district like Holyoke, where we watch that school district tumble from level two to level three to level four to level five, and then we give them you know, a couple of years to try to figure it out with the state, then you have t state takeover. Parents watch generations of children be failed. Think about it, over 30 years, how many kids go through that school system and are failed time and again as these schools continue to drop lower and lower and lower. So instead of actually having to go through that experience when a parent sends their child to a charter, they have the confidence in knowing that that charter is reviewed every five years by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. So if that charter school is not living up to its promises to the state and fulfilling that charter. That charter is yanked, the school is closed, it is not allowed to fail children's for, children for generation after generation. Parents want that kind of accountability, Tito. So uh, what we should note is there have only been five charters in 25 years that have had their uh, charters uh, revoked. In addition, let's talk about how well schools are doing. The number one school in the state of Massachusetts for college acceptance is Boston Latin Academy. The, uh, actually, number two is uh, the place that our governor is, is, is from, Swampscott. Number three is Boston Latin School. And actually, right around the corner, uh, number 37 is uh, the Snowden School, which actually has over 1,000 students waiting to uh, get in uh, to that school. There are some great things happening in the Boston public schools that educate all students. Boston Preparatory Charter in their 2014 class graduated all 30 of their seniors. Sadly, that class started in sixth grade with 120 students. So the question is, are we educating all students? And if you look at their test scores, those test scores went out as those young people were pushed out of that. So okay, hold that thought, Tito. Tito let's is get allowed Carrie to filibuster on these, on these little anecdotes. So let's bring up a, a little anecdote that, that I'd like to discuss regarding the number of children who are now achieving level five park scores in math, grades three to eight. Only 75 children in the Boston Public Schools achieved a level five park math score there. 105 from the Brook Charter School were able to do that. So as a Boston City Councilor, I would say, gosh, there's something happening at the Brook Charter Schools that is actually doing something for African-American students. Why, why wouldn't I want to explore that, maybe innovate? take a look at what they're doing there, expand that to the Boston Public Schools. Instead, you're trying to destroy them. Perfect setup for a question I want to run by Carrie, because she was involved in a very spirited discussion at the Democratic State Committee meeting. When, when did this occur? Uh, when the State Committee said that they were not going to support lifting yeah, the cap? Yeah, this was actually this was last month, and unfortunately wasn't a very spirited discussion about the issue of charter schools, because I was denied the ability to actually even present the issue. It was more around procedure and blocking my ability as a member of the Democratic State Committee to actually actually make the case because there are many Democrats and I'm very proud to stand with uh, people like Congressman Stephen Lynch who support charter schools, people like President Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton as well. So my, my question for you, uh, without getting too deep into the weeds of what happened at the Democratic State Committee meeting, you wanted to make a case for lifting the cap to your fellow Democratic activists. You were denied that opportunity. What do you say to the idea that there is something fundamentally undemocratic with a capital D? about supporting charter schools? Um, I think our Democratic Party platform is very clear. Page 34, very specifically, endorses charter schools. High-performing charter schools are a part of our party platform, which is why I think it's very hypocritical for the Democratic 
establishment in Massachusetts to have voted against it. Uh, High-performing charters are supported by Democrats. We have the highest-performing charter schools in the entire nation here in Massachusetts. And part of the reason, and I want to address and just go back to a, a point that Tito is talking about, yes, we do have the number one schools in the entire nation here in Massachusetts. If you go back to 1993, we were not top of the heap. We made a decision as a commonwealth on education reform to introduce things like charter schools and another a number of other measures to, that has helped get us to the point where we, were, where we are number one in the nation. Charter schools are an important part of those reforms that have gotten us to where we are. And if we know these are working for kids, especially in low-income areas, why would we not want these to continue? And parents, by tens of thousands, are crying out for kids to get into these charter schools. It's unconscionable that Democrats, as the champions of public education, would not stand up and want to do everything we possibly can to support these parents. Tito, you're a Democrat, too. What do you say to that? I am definitely a, a Democrat. And, um, I, and I believe that Democrats care about all students. If this was really about uh, education public policy, then we would be doing something to reach the 96% of students who are actually uh, in, uh, in, in public schools. Uh, the other piece that I would say is Walmart, the Valpo's group. Uh, Walmart, interestingly, uh, the Walmart family, the Walton family, wrote a $1.8 million check uh, to yes on two. Millionaires and billionaires are trying to buy and take our public schools. My message to them, we're still using them. We're educating our young people, and we're doing a daggone good job on it. So you will not purchase and take our public schools uh, away from us. We are doing, uh, and, and also, we are, again, educating the most vulnerable students statewide. 25% uh, of students uh, uh, in district schools are ELL. Statewide, charter schools educate 11.6% of students who are English language learners. The best, public, the best school uh, in Boston uh, uh, for charters is uh, the Brook. They have 2.5% English language learners in, at, in the Rosendale campus. Interestingly, Boston Public Schools has 30%. So the question is, are they even educating the same student population? Tito, are they reaching those for? students that They're are, are, are the, uh, the most true. vulnerable students in the city? Hey, and Kerry we do that all day, every day, and we're proud Tito of it. Tito Kerry wanted to come back at you, and then I want to ask her about funding. And then Peter has to say something, and then I swear to God I want to get questions from the audience. So... First off, your response so to what you independent said. analysis by MIT, by the Credo Institute at Stanford University, by Harvard University, by Columbia University have all said charter schools do a better job of educating students who are English as a second language learners, who are special needs students. This is very clear. You don't have a third party independent study that backs up what you're saying. Tito brought up funding a moment ago and I wanted to, to get that on the table. Our colleague at WGBH, Isaiah Thompson, has reported in some detail about where the money is coming from when it comes to this fight. And as Tito mentioned, Isaiah found that the majority of the money is going to proponents of lifting the cap, like you carry, and that groups like the one you're working for, Families for Excellent Schools, are getting a lot of money from out of state, in particular from people in New York City, from, uh, you know, the Walton Family Foundation is not New York-based, if I remember correctly, but a lot of people with a lot of money from the New York area giving money to try to make this happen. So my question is, what is it about the charter issue that makes it so appealing for people who live in the New York area and want to see the education system change. Why is there that pipeline of money from New York 
to hear, for example, in other states on this subject. Well, I hope you will ask the same question as to why so many groups in Washington, D.C. are spending so much money on a Massachusetts issue as well. I mean, we can talk teachers, about this. teachers' unions. Yeah, it's, it's very now, the majority is coming from... Uh, but, but, by the way, quick, a quick footnote. This is a quick interjection. Next week, Isaiah will be publishing a story that shows on all ballot questions I forget whether it's two-thirds or three-quarters of the money spent totally will come from out of state. So okay. ju just uh, on the side. On, on all ballot questions, there are people very invested in Massachusetts public charter schools because they work so well for children. We have the highest performing charter schools in the entire nation here in Massachusetts. There are states that are learning things, very important things about education and how these schools can make a difference in low-income communities from Massachusetts. And those are things that can be translated nationwide in areas where charter schools aren't as performing as we see in Massachusetts. So they're all eyes are certainly on this question because we have a recipe that works in Massachusetts. This is a lesson that can be translated and syndicated to other places where charter schools can work for kids in low income areas across the nation. All right, now I want to give the people who have been kind enough to stick around for this uh, substantial discussion a chance to come up and take part in it uh, in person. Um, can you start off by maybe introducing yourself? If you are here with a particular group, we have both supporters of Yes On Two and No On Two here in the audience. So if you could say who you are, uh, what affiliation you have, if any, and then launch into your question, that'd be great. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Bernardi, and I both live and work in Boston. I'm a supporter of Yes On Two. So my question is for Councillor Jackson. Um, so I've listened to a few debates, and I hear the No On Two side really focus on this issue of funding and the potential it believes that issue two has to, to damage our district schools. But what I don't hear are a lot of solutions. So what I'm wondering is, aside from more funding, what are some short-term or medium-term operational solutions mm -hmm. that your side proposes to improve these lowest performing districts that would be mm -hmm. most affected by mm -hmm. issue two? So uh, and I, wanna, I wanna thank you for your, your question. Um, I think there are several things that we can continue to do. We can, one, look at our turnaround schools, the schools that have actually moved themselves from level four to level one, like Orchard Garden School. Uh, we can also look at uh, the um, uh, uh, schools that are doing uh, very well, like our, our Nathan Hale School, which is uh, the best school in the city of Boston for black and Latino boys. And I think we could uh, begin to reverse engineer. We could also begin to replicate the best practices um, that we have in schools like the Hurley School, uh, Boston International, which is a school that takes 84% of their students are English language learners, and they've just been named a level one school. Uh, and so we can uh, really look to um, uh, these schools that are doing well in, in our district, as well as the schools uh, that have uh, turned around. There are, yes, um, aspects uh, that we can do uh, better in, but I would note that uh, Boston Public Schools does a pretty good job, and we would do worse if we were to take away uh, the resources that are there. we got to make a real-time editorial mm -hmm. call here. Carrie, I know you wanted to hop in there. The question was to Tito specifically, so uh, I'm going to pull the table really quickly. If, if you get a question, Carrie, do you want to have the final word answering it, or do you want to have Tito able to follow up your answer with a comment of his own? Should we... Should we let that be the end of that question, or do you need to get back in here? Because well, we'll have to do it the same way every time. Okay, we'll just let that stand. Okay, so who do we have next? Hi there. I am can you, I'm Patricia Kinsella. I'm a Boston resident and a Boston Public Schools parent, and I have a question for Ms. Rodriguez. Um, my beautiful, bright son 
fortunately graduated from high school that past spring. Um, my son is severely disabled. Um, he was in special education in the Boston Public Schools, and he couldn't make it in a regular Boston Public School. He went to the Mary Lyon eventually. Mm -hmm. The Mary Lyon is a national model for how to deal with kids who have severe behavioral and emotional needs. They hung in there with him for five years, and then my beautiful son had to leave my home and go into residential care. Boston, God love Boston, Boston paid for it. It's really expensive. We're talking, I don't know, $80,000 a year. Um, he did three years, he came out, he went to private day placement. Boston paid for that. And thank goodness my son eventually went to Boston Community Leadership Academy where they hung in with my boy. So here's my question for you about fairness. I just looked up these numbers on the DESE website as I was standing there. This fall, Boston is claiming 458 students like my son who are out of district. Across the state in charters, four students are being claimed for out-of-district placement. How is that fair? Patricia, before Carrie answers, uh, I don't remember if you mentioned this, you are here with no one too, right? I see your buttons. Yes, you may have, I want my, I feel like children like my son deserve the best education. You may have mentioned that, I just want to yeah, make sure. Yeah, sure, thank that. you. So Carrie, So that's my say? question for you, Ms. Rodriguez. Well, and I so, I so appreciate it. I'm a special needs mom myself, so I, I know the struggle. I, I just want to say that. Um, so. First off, I want to say that my, my personal experience I, is not exactly the same, but I have a little boy who is a special needs kid who's actually standing right out in the audience and started off in a district school. And, and he had a sign supporting you, right? Yes, like, he's, go he's mom, got the I Go Mom that. sign out there. So, <laughs> um, and he's you know, my number one supporter. So this is why I, I actually you know, am, am in this fight, because I'm a parent and this is, I've got big time skin in the game. Um, his experience, he was suspended 26 times in a district school um, and was sent to the redirect room day after day after day because he was a kindergarten student who has special needs and ADHD. So I understand the struggle. And his life did not turn around from an education perspective until he had education in a charter school. They were able to actually adhere to his IEP. We worked together as a team. and. It was a transformative experience for him. So I, I certainly, certainly understand from a mom perspective, m making sure those resources are available uh, is life or death to families who are, are special needs, and I understand the importance of that. I think that we are building relationships in the charter community because parents have to trust that charter schools are going to be, you know, they're going to have a great experience with their children, and they're, we're seeing that uh, special needs rates within charter schools are actually on the rise because there's outreach, there's uh, encouragement of, of trying to include them into the communities. But right now, uh, we are seeing, and again, the MIT study says very specifically that special needs students are best served in charter schools. All right, we have another question. Please come up, name yourself, identify your affiliation, and shoot. Hi, my name is Kristen Johnson. I'm on the BPS Citywide Parent Council. And um, the auditor, the state auditor, has on several occasions debunked the numbers that the charter promoters use for the wait list. And so I wondered, Councilor Jackson, as chair of the Education Committee, if you could talk a little bit about BPS and the wait list that we have. 
Yes, I, I would love to do that. Uh, if we were to actually uh, look at the wait list uh, for Boston Public Schools uh, alone and use the same uh, way of uh, somewhat double counting uh, that the uh, charter uh, proponents use, we would have 20,161 uh, students on uh, the wait list, um, 1,000 at, uh, at Snowden, 179 uh, students at English uh, High School. Uh, but we should also look at um, who whether or not the young people who are offered these seats and their families actually take those seats. Uh, so what you find with Boston Public Schools, uh, middle and high school students, 75% uh, or three out of four students accept uh, the seat that's actually offered to them. Interestingly, uh, with Boston Charters for middle schools, uh, only 60% actually accept those, 40% reject the seats. And then when you look at uh, Boston Charters on the high school side, 70% of those students and families actually uh, reject uh, those seats. So uh, it is important that we look at um, those issues. And, and one other component, 8,000 students are waiting to get into early education in the city of Boston. That is the most transformative program. Getting young people into school at three shows the best results, uh, not waiting till they're in middle uh, or high school to make these changes. So that's actually what we should be focusing on. I just want to uh, mention that next week, Isaiah Thompson, our data desk reporter, will be um, issuing his own study of the studies, breaking down those numbers. But um, So stay tuned for that on WGBHnews.org. But, Carrie, why don't you go ahead? You know, the, the state auditor has been asked many, many times to clarify that wait list uh, because in 2010, um, as part of uh, charter school uh, information reform, it was you know, Marty Walsh, who uh, is a former state representative and is in favor of Yes on Two, uh, was very specific about instructing the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education on making sure that list was accurate. So, uh, unfortunately, the, the state auditor has wanted to play politics a bit and I think cozy up to what are some major political influencers and special interest groups. We've asked her many times, if the number is not 33,000, if it's not 37,000, if there are all of these multiples or if there are all of these issues with the list, then give us the number. Tell us the, what the number is. The Department of Elementary and Secondary Education has given us the number. There are not duplicate names on the list. They are very specifically instructed to make sure that list is accurate. So voters in the Commonwealth can feel confident that there are tens of thousands of families across the Commonwealth who are trying to get into these charter schools, many thousands of which are actually in your district, District 7, Tito. Karen, Tito, we are actually approaching the point where we have to wrap this up. I know there's some more people out there who had wanted to ask questions, but yeah. I'm also leery of questions where I, the, I felt like the last one might have been this a little bit, where it's, you know, you go and you ask the person who agrees with you, you sort of tee it up for them, and then they take it away. They run with the ball. You, you're raising well, your eyes, uh, 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 Tito, suggesting that maybe you, you didn't have the same take as me. Um, Peter, you know what I'm trying to say here? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so the question is, I mean, how, how many more people are looking to ask a question? We have two. Uh, are you asking, hoping to ask a question of the person you agree with or the person you disagree with? If it's the latter, we would love to have you, but uh, I'm, I, I think I'm going to suggest that we stick with Un, not so unfriendly questions. Can I, can I also just toss sure, in sure. one? One of the things that also gets overlooked is yep. that in the uh, calculation that charters use... Wait a three, minute. 
I thought you were going to make a point about the, the question of who well, asks the question. No, I wasn't. That, I want to make a real point. Uh, three right, we gotta, well, we've I'm, had sorry, two no, no on two. Let's, let's just take the next two people. Okay, next two people. We've had two no on two, one yes on two. We'll take another questioner from yes on two. And then maybe just in the name of fairness, maybe we should end it there. Two questions, right? Pro and con on two. That might be a, a good way to end it. All right. Hi, so I'm Mary Tamer. I'm a Boston Public School parent and graduate. I actually served on the Boston School Committee for four years. And since the issue has been raised about students with disabilities, which was a very big issue for me when I served on the school committee, I would like to pose to Tito first and then hear Kerry respond. One of the things that I tried to address as a school committee member was the fact that the vast, that far too many, um, the percentage of kids with disabilities being educated in sub-separate classrooms is way above the state mm -hmm. advisement of 15%. And so the average across the board is that 42%, it was 48% when I started on the school committee, it went down to 42% of kids with disabilities are in sub-separate classrooms, often the basement classrooms, okay? So they are separated from their typically developing peers. In the charter schools, the response is to include students with disabilities, not to exclude them. As the kids get older in the Boston public schools, that 42% goes to 50%, to 60%, to 70% when they get into middle school and high school. I would like Tito to explain to me why that is fair or equitable to have students with disabilities separated from their peers. So first, um, thank you so much uh, for your service on the Boston School Committee. I also um, want to uh, thank you for, for that question. Um, I believe that uh, young people, and it's actually the law, uh, should be in the least restrictive uh, classroom uh, settings. Um, and with that said, uh, Boston has continued to move towards uh, more inclusion model schools and more inclusion model uh, classrooms. But I do want to actually note um, that Boston does take uh, students who have some of the most severe disabilities, and when you look at something like uh, like mild dyslexia, um, those are the types of students that uh, charters are typically taking. Um, the students who have uh, severe education—I'm uh, sorry—severe se uh, issues around behavior typically get sent back to the uh, back to uh, uh, the city of Boston um, in, uh, in in and, and pushed back into uh, the public schools. So um, I, I would also again noting we have some work to do. In in that space, but we actually are rolling our sleeves up and doing that work because um, we, we know that we, sh we should. But what I would note is charters are actually not doing that work. They had to be uh, brought, brought in and legislated to take English language learners, Tito, brought in and schools, legislated to take special education. The philosophy of charter schools when it comes to ELL kids and special needs kids is to move them out of the ELL and special ed designation and get them into general matriculating classrooms where they are able to lose those designations and join the, the regular matriculation and the, and re the regular same. cohort. And they do that in amazing ways. And that is why there are studies that bear out that charter schools do a better job with these kids because they don't hold on to these designations forever. They're able to support these children, fulfill their IEPs so they have the, strategy, the strategies they need to actually join the classroom. They're making gains and gaining those critical skills they need so they don't always have to be an ELL kid. They don't always have to be a special needs kid. They can be a high-performing, wonderful, regular, general matriculating kid, which Peter, is really the goal. Peter Kadzis, I want to give you the last word here, and I want to start by saying that you know, I've worked with you for many years, first at GBH, before then at the Phoenix. Uh, I have been a part with you of covering many issues on which 
two sides are vehemently opposed to each other and seem to view the world in a, a just two irreconcilable ways through two lenses that just cannot be brought together. I gotta say, I kind of feel, sitting here today listening to Tito and Carrie talk, uh, I kind of feel that way about this particular issue to a greater extent than I have about any other issue I can remember covering. Um, do you see some sort of hope for uh, a middle ground when it comes to this stuff? I, I don't, not, not at the moment. <laughs> I, I, th I think that um, whatever happens with the statewide ballot, um, after the vote, there might be a, ch a chance for middle ground. But I, I think the issues here transcend politics, uh, transcend education, and focus more around politics and power. Um, and that, that means um, uh, teachers' unions, school committees, elected versus appointed people. And I'm just saying, to me, it's more of a political struggle with education being the battleground. Um, that may be too hardball a view of it, but that's the way I view it. All right, on that perhaps somewhat dispiriting note, we got to wrap up for <laughs> this, this edition of the Scrum. Again, all of you out there who've been kind enough to stick around and listen, we would love to have you uh, check us out on a regular basis. Peter and I will be here every Monday if the plan uh, unfolds the way. Most Mondays. Well, most, most Mondays. Uh, we may take off some holidays at 4 p.m. I'm going to leave a notebook uh, or maybe come around with a notebook so that if you are interested in getting new episodes of the Scrum, we can email them to you directly. You can go online and find past conversations we've had. We've done a lot of good ones. The online address is blogs.wgbh.org slash scrum. You can also find us on iTunes, uh, various podcatchers. Uh, it is really cool to have this intense conversation here in the, I got to say, totally gorgeous WGBH News Studios at the Boston Public Library. I had not been in here before today. This space is fabulous. It's so light and airy. I totally love it. And, and um, if I, I could just make a comment, yeah. I, I think... Um, Boy, we've been doing this for a while now, and Carrie uh, and Tito, as impassioned as they are on each side, um, I'm amazed at how on point they are from their different points of view and really wanted to thank them for yeah, coming I would, here. I would second that. Well, you guys are great. And thank you, too. And I think Carrie and I, the thing we both agree on is that we both care about kids. We both care about the future of the state of Massachusetts, and that's what we're all uh, working towards, and that's what we should be, what should be, we should be looking at. Um, and also, we it, we should be looking at additional uh, funding for all schools, not only charters, but schools as a whole, so we can actually take care of all students. And by advocating for that, we advocate for not only four percent, not only the ninety-six percent of students in, in district schools, but every single school in the state of Massachusetts. And we, as a parent-led organization, families for Excellent Schools, we are dedicated to making sure that kids are at the center of our education conversations. That's what we're about. We need to put the focus on what's best for children. And for the record, both Peter and I are also pro-kids, so we have total unanimity <laughs> at the table as we wrap well, up. speak for yourself, Adam. <laughs> uh, Carrie Rodriguez-Lorenzo, State Director of Families for Excellent Schools, thank you for being here. Councilor Tito Jackson of the Boston City Council, thanks to you as well. Peter Kadzis, my esteemed colleague, thank you for taking part in this. Our producer today 
is Jason Tereski. Our engineer is Miles Smith. Thank you all for listening out there and coming up and asking questions. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News.